0: Okay, so today is going to be interesting. I don't know. It's maybe one of the more controversial things I've talked about. We'll see. Did you send out your notes? I am right now. I'm sending out. So if you're on the church loop, then you should have just received the bullet points of what we're going to talk about this morning. And again, if you are wishing that you were receiving that, then either nudge somebody next to you who did or raise your hand and we will get that texted to you. Okay, so I want to talk about media, which is a topic that is fraught with opportunities to make enemies, which is always fun. I say that. I'm joking. I don't actually like making enemies. Okay, Deuteronomy 7.25 is where I want to start. So the title would be, Beware the Snare. And the verse I want to start off with is Deuteronomy 7.25, which says, this is talking about when God delivers the enemies of the children of Israel into the hands of the children of Israel. It says, the graven images of their gods you are to burn with fire. You shall not covet the silver or the gold that is on them, nor take it for yourselves, or you will be snared by it, for it is an abomination to Yahweh your God. Are silver and gold bad? No. Is God's point in this verse that silver and gold are bad? No, of course not. What is the point then? Now, this is clearly, this is a law that was specifically given to Israel. They're conquering the land. Don't don't covet the gold on their idols. Destroy their idols, right? But what is the application for us as a Christian? If I, as a Christian, am going to have a wartime mentality, what principle does this lay down for me? You shall not covet the silver or the gold that is on them, nor take it for yourselves, or you will be snared by it. Well, one thing that it says pretty clearly is there are things out there that the world is doing, is using, is worshiping, that will have elements that are attractive to us. And those elements may not even necessarily be inherently bad, but we better be on guard, lest we be snared by the shimmer of idolatry. The idolatry was not limited to back then. It wasn't limited to the Middle East. Idolatry exists today. And we must beware the snares that come along with it, okay? So that's our our starting point, our starting principle that we're looking at. Now let's walk through some different uh, considerations. But first, I want to start with a big and very, very important caveat. This can be filed under the category of areas where we have to be able to hold two thoughts in our head at the same time. Because we are coming, we're in the midst of... A Reformation slash apostasy You're getting some of both We're coming out of An extreme swing to Conservative Homeschooled skirt wearing Quinoa eating This (laughs) this idea of Christianity That was It was very um, Very different from the world In many ways that were excellent And good and in the pursuit of holiness, but also in some ways where we set up rules that were beyond scripture. So now we're seeing a reformation slash apostasy where some people are just fleeing from that and burning down the house and casting aside all restraint. And some people are saying, wait a second, where did the Bible ever say that? And so we have to sort through that biblically and seek to walk in line with God's word and not err to the right or to the left. Okay. So, this is an important sentence. Listen to this sentence, okay? There is always the risk that the pursuit of holiness will result in legalism. And there is always the risk that resistance to legalism will hinder the pursuit of holiness. Okay? We have to hold both those realities in tension. We cannot say, I don't want to be a legalist and therefore I'm not going to seek after the holiness of Christ. I'm not going to cut worldliness from my life. I'm not going to let God speak to what I do in my day-to-day life because that's all legalism. No, it's not. That's laying aside the sin that so easily entangles. Or we can't say, I'm pursuing Jesus. I'm pursuing holiness and therefore here's all these rules and these rules are going to keep me safe. That, that's legalism. That's not the gospel. That's not Christianity. And you'll wind up with the apostasy that we're seeing now where kids who grew up under a bunch of rules... never knew Christ are now done with the rules and showing the true heart that was there all along. So what I ask you to do, as I say this stuff, is to deal with the text. I hope that everything I say is going to be coming from scripture. That's my goal. The last thing I want to do is to perpetuate conservative rules because, oh, thank you. Because that's what what keeps us safe. That's what makes us holy. If we just all toe the same lines that we always did and wear the same clothes that we always did and eat the same food and watch the same movies and don't dance the certain dances, that's not the goal. But we do want to apply the biblical principles. So if what I'm saying does not come from Scripture, then ignore it. And if what I'm saying you can see in Scripture, then you take it to the Lord. You deal with it for yourself. But let the principles of Scripture have full weight in your heart. Okay? So... Biblical principles of media consumption. These are things that we have to think through and apply. Number one, bad company corrupts good morals. First Corinthians fifteen thirty three. First Corinthians fifteen thirty three. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Pretty straightforward. The way that is phrased is very interesting. It's phrased as a simple statement of reality. It's not bad company sometimes might corrupt good morals. It's bad company corrupts good morals. It's like a chemical reaction. I work on well systems. And you have pipes that are made out of steel. Steel that you could break an arm against. But you give that 20 years of exposure to water. And its it's got holes in it. You... you Whack it, and then it just collapses. It's a chemical reaction. It cannot resist it indefinitely. Well, bad company corrupts good morals. So what does that mean for us when it comes to media? Well, what, what company do we keep in our media? It's interesting because this isn't a question that had to be asked by humans for most of history. It, was, it would have been straightforward, right? If you're listening to music, you're literally keeping company with the person playing the music. That was the only way to hear music. Well, Right? If you're watching a play, you're literally going to the playhouse and keeping company with the people that are at the playhouse and that are doing the play on stage. Now, I can keep company with Tom Cruise. He doesn't know me, but he is still involved in my life. I'm sitting there for three hours letting him show me what he wants to show me, teach me what he wants to teach me. Am I saying that's bad? Well, maybe. But I, w- I would definitely say Tom Cruise is not someone that I want to make a mentor in my life. He's not a a godly influence, right? So there's principle number one. Bad company corrupts good morals, so ask the question, what company am I keeping? This applies to things like music, too. I mean, we're we're specifically focusing on media. Obviously, it applies to your friendships. It applies to your, your Facebook interaction. It applies to your Instagram feed. What company are you keeping? And is it a company that is corrupting or a company that is edifying? So ask yourself. Let that passage bear weight. Again, what am I not doing? I am not saying you're not allowed to watch any movies that aren't made by Christians. Okay? That's legalism. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say you're not allowed to interact with pagans because we're scared of the pagans and they're going to rub off on you. No. No, the point is, okay, if bad company corrupts good morals, I want to be aware. Right? Okay, number two. We are influenced by the company that we keep. And that's very related to point number one. Proverbs 13, 20. We are influenced by the company that we keep. Hang okay, on, got to get to the reference here. Proverbs 13, 20. And this goes in both directions. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Again, stated like a chemical reaction. It will happen. Not maybe, not sometimes, but actually though, it will happen. You walk with wise men, you will be wise. Companion of fools will suffer harm. So, who am I keeping company with? Who am I walking with? Who am I staring at for two and a half hours every night on the TV screen or listening to for hours on end as I go about my work day. Does it matter? Would scripture lead us to say. This, this probably is going to have an effect. Well, that, you, you pray about it. But when I see this scripture, I would say, yes, I want to walk with wise men. Not just in who I hang out with on Sunday. But who I have speaking and singing and acting into my life throughout the week. Okay. Okay. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Number three. Principle number three. There is a war on. There's a war on, and media is munition. Media is one of many uh, forms of warfare. The world knows this. They're straightforward about it. You can read... The, the comments of many, many of the, the Hollywoodites and the Nashvilleites and so on, they're very, very self-conscious about what they're trying to do with their music and with their movies and so on. They're trying to make disciples. They're advancing a great commission from a different master. That's what they're, that's what they're about. And they're, some of them are pretty open and honest about it. First Peter 5.8, be self-controlled and alert. your enemy the devil prowls around like a a roaring lion looking for someone to devour be alert that's an exhortation to you hear the phrase warrior mentality okay this would be an example of what we mean a warrior mentality what does that mean well if you're on a battlefield you don't tune out you're paying attention stuff's going on this is important this is life or death if i'm not watching i'm going to get stabbed in the back if i'm not watching the enemy's going to sneak around our flank i'm paying attention tuned in Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. If you're on safari in Africa, in the jungle, you're paying attention because you don't want to get eaten. Okay, so do we have that kind of attitude? Do we recognize what does Jesus say? If you're not with me, you're against me. If you don't gather with me, you scatter. Whoever's not against me is for me. There's two categories, for Christ and against Christ. The people who are against Christ are against Christ. There's a war on. If they are not for Christ and they are against Christ, we would be foolish to act like it's just neutral. The stuff that they produce is just fine. It's not really saying anything. It's not really doing anything. It's not really meaning anything. As an illustration of this, I got a quote from the Barbie movie. I have not seen the Barbie movie. I have no plans of seeing the Barbie movie, but I've I've heard multiple reviews on it enough to know that it is a two and a half hour long woke sermon. But I just wanted to give a quote from this just as an illustration. Barbie is not the only movie that's doing this. Barbie is just one of the most in your face. The quote was, Giving a voice to the cognitive dissonance required to be a woman under the patriarchy robbed it of its power. That's a line from a movie? Like a drama, a comedy? Like you you tell me that Christian movies are preachy? That, that's as preachy as any Christian movie I've ever seen. So my point is not to argue with Barbie in, in our conversation here. My point is only to say, they've got a message. They've got a gospel, and they're interested in presenting it to us and to our kids. And we would be foolish to act like, ah, it's just entertainment. Okay, number four. There is a difference between argumentation and... And influence. This is really important because I think sometimes we think we can engage with the idols of the world and enjoy the gold and the silver, but mentally undo the effects. Just by thinking through it. Just by talking about it. Yeah, I sat for two and a half hours being discipled by Christopher Nolan. But I talked about it for for 15 minutes afterwards, so I'm pretty sure I undid all the influence that he had over me. I have my doubts. I have my doubts. I don't think that's how it works. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. And right, pay, pay close attention to this verse because this is the... We talk about holding two thoughts in our mind at the same time. We talk about walking the line between legalism and libertinism and trying to pursue holiness. One of the key differences between legalism and the pursuit of holiness is that legalism is about law It's about being forced to do stuff because it's what you're supposed to do as opposed to pursuing Christ. And because I love Christ, I want to set aside this stuff. That is one of the key distinctions between legalism and a pursuit of holiness that emanates from the love of Christ. Now, this I'm not being antinomian. I'm not saying we, we hate, like, if you're really a good Christian, you just reject God's law. No, we don't reject God's law. But the point is, it's not... Okay, I'm, I'm carefully stepping through all the rules that I've made to keep myself safe from sin. No, I'm running after Jesus. I love his word. I want his word to speak to my heart and guide me. And so I want to set aside things that would lead me away from him. Okay, 1 John two fifteen through 17. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away and also its lusts, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. So what does that passage tell us not to do? To love the world. It doesn't say do not agree with the world. It says do not love the world. Now, we also know we're supposed to resist ungodly ideologies, right? There is a, a, a warfare of the mind that goes on. But I want to focus on the warfare of the heart. There's a difference between argumentation and influence because I can disagree with something and still love it. Does that make sense? I can disagree with something and I can still think, man, that's awful attractive. Man, that's fun. and I like that. How many men cheated on their wives knowing that it was wrong. Probably all of the men that ever cheated on their wives, right? So just because we can think our way out of what is being said doesn't mean that we've won the victory. Doesn't mean that we are immune to the pull that it has on our hearts. And that's what we're talking about. We're ta- this is a matter of love. So which is more important, intellectual analysis or affections? Be on guard against the affections that can be. Because what we go to the idols, the passage we read at the beginning about idolatry, don't covet the gold and the silver. That's a desire. The warning wasn't, don't think about their idols and then be convinced by their apologetics for why their idols actually control the weather. No, it was don't covet their silver and the gold. Because if you covet it, if you love it, if it pulls on your heart, then it will draw you away. Okay, number five. This is not the institution of a new legalism. The goal is not to get back to good old conservative morality where nobody watches R-rated movies because R-rated movies are sinful. That's not what we're talking about. Romans 14 is the passage you go to to talk about Christian liberty. The point is, you walk your walk with Christ by faith, and when you eat, give thanks to God... And we shouldn't be judging each other. Now, there are a few lines, right? There's some things that, that should be obvious. If, you're, if you come to church on Sunday and you tell me how much you enjoyed the latest Fifty Shades of Grey movie, that's something that I would confront you about. I would say that, that a Christian should not be watching that. Why? Well, it's pornography. It's fornication with the eyes. Why, why would you watch that? There's no biblical argument for that. But there are other things that you might, you might watch. You watch the Marvel movies and enjoy them, okay? Whatever, right? You can easily devolve into a culture of legalism where we're all kind of looking over each other's shoulder and, well, that doesn't seem like a good movie to me. And so you must not be as good of a Christian as I am. That's not what we're talking about. That's not biblical. We love one another. We pursue Christ together. And we, Romans 14, give grace to one another. I'm much more concerned about seeing you walking with Christ than I am about watching the exact same movies or not watching any movies at all or whatever. Whatever. So that is the error that we have either intentionally or unintentionally we see people falling into. Or it's like all good Christians have no TV. That's how you're a good Christian. The Bible doesn't say that. Okay? So we're not talking about that. I keep caveating that because it has to be caveated. Because it is so easy for us to fall to go from the right to the left. One side or the other. Okay, number six. We must not think so this is This is the other thought. We're holding the two thoughts in tension. One, we're not instituting a new legalism. Two, at the same time, we must not think that a true pursuit of the holiness of Christ will not have practical consequences. Mm -hmm. Just because we don't want to be legalists and set up man law doesn't mean that we should think, so I'm going to pursue Christ, but it's not actually going to have any practical consequences in my day-to-day life. It is. It's going to. The point is not that because I'm not a legalist, therefore there are no Standards. There is no sacrifices that I have to make to be like Jesus. The point is, I'm not instituting my Talmud that protects God's word and makes sure that nobody sins. I'm running after Christ and I'm willing to lay aside whatever it is because of my relationship with him. Not because of some, some man-made legalism, not because this is what makes me righteous in my church community, but because I want to follow Christ. Hebrews 12, 14 through 16. Hebrews twelve fourteen through 16. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble and by it many be defiled. That there be no immoral or godless person like Esau who sold his own birthright for a single meal. The particular line in there that I wanted to focus on was verse 14. So we're supposed to pursue the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. We're supposed to pursue becoming more and more, more holy. What does that look like? Does that have practical implications for our lives? Well, obviously, yes. So the question is not, are you, fa- are you within the boundaries of the rules of the movies that you're allowed to watch as a conservative homeschooled Christian? That's not the question. The question is, are you pursuing holiness? Are you pursuing Christ so that your tastes are being calibrated for the things of Jesus? So that when you taste the poison that the world has to offer, it turns your stomach. That's the question. It's not a question of legalism. It's a question of love. It's a question of pursuit. Are we pursuing sanctification? Are we pursuing holiness? It's an interesting uh, inclusion in that passage that he goes right into... um, I was thinking about verse 16, but that's actually specifically talking about Esau. So the thing that I was thinking is not from that verse. Okay, so number seven. This is a question for all of us to ask ourselves. How much time do we spend in reality versus in virtual reality? Matthew 6:33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first, so that that's our passionate pursuit. That is the thing driving us is the kingdom of God, his righteousness. I want to know Christ. I want to make him known. I want to preach his gospel. I want to see his kingdom advanced. I want to see those who are in bondage set free. I want to see the innocent defended. I want to see the kingdom of God advanced. How much time do we spend in reality? God's kingdom is advanced in the real world. It's not advanced in movies. I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that media can't be a tool in preaching the gospel. I can't, I'm not saying that media can't be a tool in edifying us and in advancing the kingdom, but, but the kingdom advancement actually happens on this earth. It doesn't happen long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away. It happens right here, right now. So my question for us is where are we living? Where are our hearts spending the most time? Our world is becoming more and more unhinged from reality with AI and uh, virtual reality and video games where you can put on the, the the goggles and it's like you're living in a 3D world, and that's all not real. We have something better to do. Again, this is not this is not a legalistic, oh, oh, you you do virtual reality, oh you're a sinner. No, that's not the point. The point is, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. Where does that happen? That happens here. That happens in this, the real tangible world. Uh, blatantly obvious example is that they're, they're working on, and I'm, I will keep this G-rated, but they're making AI partners for people. You cannot have a biblical marriage and be married to a robot. You cannot fulfill the purpose of what God designed marriage for and be married to a robot. So... For, for a world that rejects Christ, you reject reality. You reject the gender that God made you, you reject God's design for marriage, you reject it all. As Christians, we embrace reality. We seek first the kingdom of God, which happens on this earth. Through real re-relation, relationships. Real relationships are hard. Why would you want to be married to a robot? It's obvious. Because a robot is designed by people to do just what people like. I mean, isn't it obvious? That 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 would be why. I don't want to have to deal with the mess of another person. I don't want to have to grow. I don't want to have to be sanctified. I don't want to learn to love. And that's the promise that all virtual reality gives us. It removes all the difficulties, all the thorns and thistles. But we have the opportunity as Christians to remove the thorns and thistles through the sweat of our brow and through the grace of Christ. That's what we're called to do. We're called to have a glorious marriage, not because we got married to a robot that never crosses us, but because we spent 40 years being sanctified to where now at the end of 40 years... No robot's going to give you that. Sure. And this is, it's not just for marriage. It's for everything. We're called to live in the real world. We, as Christians, are people who serve the one who is the way and the truth and the life. So we're not escapists. Okay, so last one. I watched The Sound of Freedom last week. Uh, would highly recommend that for all viewers who uh, can, can endure being punched in the gut for two and a half hours. Very, very heavy film, but excellent. Um, it's basically a film about human trafficking and a true story about a man who made war on it, basically. Um, it really drove home to me, the, the thing. The biggest takeaway for me was just the, the fact that there's a war on, that we are so blessed in our first world life That we live in this this reality where everything's easy. Life is just, this, this is normal. This is normal life. This is not normal life for humans. Normal life for humans is you're enslaved. And I'm not just talking about human trafficking. I'm talking about humanity. For the course of human history, you had these clan warfares, and if your clan lost, you're now slaves to this overlord, and you have the feudal system, and all these different arrangements of just tyranny, and subjection, and abuse, and cruelty, and slavery. That is human history. That is normal for humans. And so the sound of freedom, yeah, you've got the sex trafficking, which is dreadful. But even as he's going on this quest to rescue this child, he's going to this just deepest, darkest Columbia or wherever it is. And he's just in this tribe of people. And they're all just like, you know, you're harvesting the, the harvest with the guy standing next to you with the gun to keep you in line. That's normal. This is not normal. This is the fruit of the gospel. Amen. This is the fruit of the work of Christ, of the advance of scripture, of the moving of the Holy Spirit. That's what leads to America. That's what leads to freedom. That's what leads to being able to say, I want to go take my wife out to dinner tonight. Did you ask your liege uh, your lord? Did he give you permission? I, I don't have to. because I'm an American because that's what the gospel does. But the world needs that. The real world needs that. So it just reminded me of the blood earnest cosmic conflict that we're in the middle of. And how easy it is to get so wrapped up in my day-to-day life that I miss it. I miss it and I don't see what all is going on. I don't see the big picture. There are people that really, really need Christ. They really, really need the gospel. They really, really need this book in their language changing their hearts. Because they're lost and they're dying, and they're miserable, and I'm having a rough day at work. Okay, well, put your pants on like a big boy, get your work done, pray like a man, and realize that you're blessed. You're blessed, and the real world needs us. Why? Because the real world needs Christ, and God works through his people. And so, all of our first world fun makes it easy to also get wrapped up in our first world problems it's so easy to be entertained and to have fun and when i'm having fun and being entertained it's also so easy to get frustrated annoyed because i'm not having fun anymore and i'm just living in this state of dopamine from the constant feed of my social media and my music and my movies and i need to get in the game I need to get my head in the game and realize that there is a war on and there are people who are dying in darkness who need the gospel of Christ. And so is this a guilt trip because we're all supposed to be missionaries? No. This is a reminder that we are all missionaries. If we're servants of Christ, the only question is what mission has he given you and are you doing it with a whole heart or are you getting distracted by the bread and games? Am I getting distracted by the bread and games? Because it's really, really, really easy. But it's such a step down from what is ours in Christ. Romans 12:1 and 2 I urge you therefore brethren by the mercies of God to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God which is your spiritual service of worship and do not be conformed to this world but be renewed be transformed by the renewing of your mind don't be conformed to what the world has to offer be transformed into the image of Christ let your mind be renewed so my personal testimony of of this sort of thing is just in brief I I still enjoy movies. I watch movies on occasion. But I can tell you that in our home, we have had to rethink how much time we have the screen on. And when we do, it changes the attitude of our home. It changes our focus. When I sit down and talk to my wife, I feel very different after an hour than if I sit down and watch a movie, even with my wife. Because I I just invested in her and spoke to her. What am I saying? Am I saying that we never watch movies together? No, we enjoy it. And we actually enjoy it more because it's occasional. But the point is living in the reality that God has made and dealing, fighting against the pull of the affections. Bethany and I, it's been great for us with each other because she and I, our personal experience is with Marvel movies and Star Wars. Because she, Star Wars is like, it's her weakness. She really likes Star Wars. And for me, it was Marvel. I really, really enjoyed the Marvel movies. They were the perfect mix of uh, fun and action and not too serious you can just enjoy it it's a popcorn flick i really liked them and we came to a point where we both kind of looked at each other and i still liked marvel and she still liked star wars but i was looking at star wars and she was looking at marvel and we were saying why do you like that that's kind of stupid like we should probably step back from this and so we both just kind of mutually held each other accountable and we we stopped now Now, the danger is that you're going to hear what I just said and you're going to feel like I just told you that you're a sinner. If you watch Star Wars or Marvel or if you like them, that you're a sinner and you're failing. And that's not what I'm saying. That is between you and the Lord. And if you are watching Star Wars by faith and giving thanks to God and it is not hindering your walk with Christ, then God bless you. I do not care. But if you are watching Star Wars or watching Marvel or watching whatever, fill in the blank for you, And Jesus doesn't come into the picture. Then we have a problem. If it's leading your heart away from Christ. Accidentally. You don't notice. It's changing your affections. It's teaching you. You're being discipled. Walking in the counsel of the wicked. And sitting in a seat of scoffers. Then we have a problem. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about you getting with Christ. Laying it all on the altar. And seeing what he wants you to do. We're not talking about me determining for you. What you may or may not watch. But it's good for us to bear in mind that we live in a land of feasting and sometimes fasting is a good recalibration. Sometimes stepping back, taking a pause, and even just setting things aside for a month and then coming back to them will change your appetites. If you spend more time in the Word, less time with whatever you're used to, whatever you're used to, that gives you a chance to come back to it and say, wait a second. Is that that really as good as I thought it was? So, in, in conclusion, it's not a question... It is not a question of what is allowed. It's a question of what I love. We need to have biblical standards for media consumption. We need to hate what is evil, but we don't just put off. We don't hate for hatred's sake. We hate what is evil because we love something that is far better. As with healthy eating, the goal is to love what is good. I want to be so satisfied in Christ that I won't settle for a sorry substitute. Romans twelve nine: abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. So Lord, calibrate my good and evil meters so that when I see evil, I don't want it. I hate it. And when I see good, I cling to it. I want it. I want to grow in it. Concluding thought, and remember this, we are not protected by the rules. We are not protected by the rules. Your walk with Christ is not protected by the fact that you watch the right movies or wear the right clothes or eat the right food, or have the right job. We are protected by the power of God and by the Holy Spirit through the gospel of Christ. He who began a work in us will perfect it in the day of Christ Jesus. So when we discuss the pursuit of holiness, what we're not discussing is keeping everybody in line so that we don't have any apostates. If the rules about what you may or may not watch are what's keeping you faithful to Christ, then you're not a Christian. We don't trust in the rules, but we do expect that following Jesus will not come without a cost. So we embrace that cost because we love Christ and because he is worthy. That is what we're talking about. That is the invitation, the privilege that is ours. And it would be a step down to settle for anything less.